spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish I am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable me to keep the running costs of this podcast going. And enjoy. Take care. Bye-bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Andy N. Spoken Label. Back in the house on a Sunday afternoon. It's lovely today. It's been a really, really nice day over in sunny Denton today. So, of course, it makes sense to get to go head on to the podcast world, Spoken Label. And I've got a gentleman with me today who's not currently living just on the outskirts of Bolton, who I've met twice now, the last two nights at the speakeasies, the open mic um, night I call in Cholton with Steve Smythe and my wife, Amanda Nicholson. So it's a pleasure to have this gentleman on because he's a fantastic storyteller. And his name is Mark Jackson. So, Mark, obviously, for people who don't know you, mate, first of all, then, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? So we not tell us obviously a little bit about yourself and where all this creativity originally came from. Okay, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Andy. I feel very privileged to be here. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts lately, and I think oh yeah, you told me about that, and I thought, wow, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I've been working through all of them. They're pretty Oof, good, mate. I'll take a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, right. So, how did I end up being on a podcast for writers? I think that is the best way of explaining this. And um, I was always um, okay at creative writing at school. This was something that I used to be all right at. And I never actually did anything with it. Um, I never followed it up. But I always saw myself as a writer. Um, I was... In my head, I was one of these who was, I was always going to write a book. I was going to write a play. I'll I'll write a film one day. That was my mindset. And it was almost, in my stupid head, it was almost better being like that than actually doing something. And it turned out shit. Because that way, the dream's over. So in my weird way of thinking, it was more comforting to just never do anything. Well, then about 12 years ago, um, a couple of things happened that forced me to, to, to take it up. And one of them was a friend of mine died uh, suddenly. Um, he got stabbed near where he lived in Gorton. Oh, and at the time, yeah, it was a really sad time, mate. And his, his brother, he was an identical twin. 
And his brother said to me, can you do a write-up for our kid? I mean, first of all, what an honour to be asked to do something like that. And secondly, you can't balls it up. You've got to do a good job of it. So it was like a eulogy piece that I wrote for, for, for Martin and it got printed in, in, um, in a magazine, the United We Stand uh, fanzine. Hmm. And people liked it. There was nice comments about it and everything. And just to explain, United We Stand isn't like your typical football fanzine. It's like um, there's a lot of non-football related content in there. And there's, there's a lot of short stories type articles in about people getting lost in Berlin and stuff like that. And it, I always liked reading it. So I was quite honoured to get the piece published in that. Um, so people liked it and I decided to keep doing it. And it was always short stories with me. It was firstly to sort of emulate the ones that were written in the magazine and I quite, I quite, I quite, I read Dubliners when I was in my twenties. Um, oh, that's a that's a nice easy book to read. <laughs> Not. Please, <laughs> I found it all right. I mean, bloody hell, someone like me shouldn't be interested in middle class Dublin life in the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> it should be, it should be a turn off straight away. But I loved it, and I loved how he fit. James Joyce fit like all these characters: loves, lives, deaths all in four and five pages. He didn't waste a single word. And it was all, the main thing I got with it was the endings. The endings of these stories, they were never, it was, it wasn't like, oh, when they lived happily ever after, or they got on the bus and drove away together. They were just open. And it was open for the reader to, to, to decide after. I mean, I remember the, the first time I read it, I was like, what, she misses the boat? Is that it? You know, it, and it was, but the story stayed with me for days after. And I thought, bloody hell, that's, that's really clever the way he's done it. And it was just something that stayed with me. So after I got the piece published, I just started writing short stories. I had a go at him. Um, I wrote stories up that I used to tell people when I was out in company. Um, I just elaborated on them a little bit and, just took it from there and I got a few pieces published in United We Stand and you get paid for it. So I was, I was a public, a paid writer, you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest, you don't get much money, but it's, it's the status of it. And I felt, bloody hell, I'm not making him fooling myself here. It's something maybe I should have a go at. So I got on a bit of a run and over the, the last few years, I've printed a few, um, I've wrote out a few short stories and, and then I got asked, I sent one to, there's a guy who's, there's an artist in Liverpool called Roy. Um, he does short stories and a friend of mine um, pointed me in his direction and I read some of his stuff and first of all, I was like, bloody hell, he's brilliant. I'll never be as good as him. You know that, I was sort of almost intimidated at first, but then you get inspired and you think, oh God, well, he's doing it. And he was reading them out at live events, his stuff. And I sent a load of my stuff to him and we, we, we sort of, we sort of mates now, you know, we stay in touch and he invited me to read at one of his nights in Liverpool. And, um, so started having a go at the open mic stuff. Oh, so, brilliant. That's, that's a great story. That I think it's, you've done it. I think you've done it in the right way, really, because a lot of it is like, 
had a lot of writers have the myth where you can jump on stage just to it straight off. You can't. I mean, a lot of it is is building your confidence up as to believe in the work you're doing. And that's something you've got to yeah. spot on there, mate. And it really does with that one. So that's why. No, great stuff, man. Great, great stuff with that one. So now there's plenty I could ask you today, but I want to, first of all, and you, t- you told me this story off camera before, well, and I found it absolutely hilarious, was what's the origin behind your website, keithsbrother.com? <laughs> brilliant story, this one. <laughs> it's well, like, I, uh, what, uh, what I know of you, Mark, and the couple times we've met, this is uh, it's going to only happen to you, this mate, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I started doing, well, okay. When I, I, I always liked the thought of writing and being a little bit anonymous, partly because of that thing where I lack a little bit of confidence in what I do, probably. And I like the thought of, another persona maybe doing it um and when i went to these open mic nights everyone had these mad names you know like gordon zola and all this lot you know he oh, does so it's, it's, not real, it's not his real name that of course right so i'm not outing him <laughs> i've told you that <laughs> but the, people had these really like stage names if you like something i'm, I'm bloody hell i'm 50 i've never Oh, you're 50, mate. Oh, wow. Yeah, you thought I was younger, didn't you, Andy? I did, actually. I'm 50 next week. I'm 50 next week, actually. So we're both in the 50 club, (laughs) really. So uh, I thought I I could do with something when I'm getting on stage for something to to keep this anonymity, anonymity, whatever the word is. And I've got a story called Jeans Not Happening. And it's one of the... the, uh, it's a couple of years old, that one now, and it's got a character in it called Keith, who's a bit of a shit to his younger brother. And I read it at an open mic night one night, and this guy um, come up to me after and he said, are you Keith's brother? So I said, yeah. And then he shouted to his mate, he went, oi, John, this is Keith's brother. So he stuck me, I thought, I thought, that's quite a good one, because he's... It's sort of related to one of the stories that I've done. And um, and I also thought if I ever did any any open mic nights, I like the thought of the 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 compare announcing on stage next up we've got Keith's brother. And the thought of all the audience just turning to each other and going, Who's Keith? Do you know him? He must know him. You know, <laughs> so it just made me laugh a little bit. I thought it's quite a good name. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. I think he's really, really clever, don't you? It's unfortunate, like, it's not really always... What, two times I've seen you read, I was like, oh, I'll have to make a note of that next year. You read to speak easy. We'll get Steve to introduce you as Keith's brother, just to completely confuse him. <laughs> and it will. I know. I don't know. Brilliant. Oh, it's fantastic. It'll be really right? funny, I think. Oh, I'll speak to him about that, definitely, right? So, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to ask you as well, obviously, the next thing we want to talk about is, obviously, you've sent over to me, well, the... Uh, Sunday morning coming down, which is like is a one-off play, isn't it? That's been on the podcast called the Pod Play. So, tell us about that next. And where where did the idea for this come from? This play. Okay, well, um, I found an article um, in my um, wardrobe in a, a magazine from about in the early. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Andy, you still with us? The past few I'm still here. I'm still here. What's up, mate? Right. So the the um, I found an article in a magazine. The magazine was called Whatever, and it was called The Death of Acid House. 
and it was quite a good article about all these people talking about like the hangover from the the Manchester Summer of Love days, and it just stayed with me. It was a really I highlighted parts of this article of these um, stories that these people were telling. And I thought there's a story in there somewhere. And I'd listened to the pod play a few times and I liked the format, how it was like about half an hour long audio. And I had to go at writing a script and it was it took me about a year to put it together before it was anywhere near all right. Hmm. And I didn't know anyone who'd listened to it. So I sent it to Paul Ludden who is the, the the main guy at the Mank Made People. And he said, we're going to do it. And um, Fantastic. Yeah, it, it was an amazing experience. People, actors, saying the words that you wrote, these characters come alive off the page. It was brilliant, mate. Oh, that's, that's great that when you can manage doing formats like that. So obviously, obviously, we said before, you mostly are a short story writer. So tell us about them the difference between the writing the two processes and how it went for you, because I write in all kinds of genres myself, but as in your case there is, that's quite a big jump going from short stories to, from to obviously, like I said, to writing a play, a short play. So tell us about that next. Um, it is a different format, you're right. And, it, and it's, I found it initially, um, it was a bit of a learning curve because you try to explain a little bit too much about what's going on. You know, the, the, you're telling, not showing, you know, one of the rules of writing, show, not tell. I was, you ended up breaking a lot of them, but I found it quite, it came quite natural writing that script because you can sort of, when you talk, talk to people and you're saying such a body says this, it's a little bit similar to that. So I found that the words came quite easily for that and it was it, I enjoyed doing it I've never wrote a script before and it was it's a bit like doing the open mic stuff I've never done that before so I thought sod it I'm just gonna have a go and then it just you know you, it's like anything you draft it and you keep doing it again and you get a beginning a middle and end and, and it starts coming together because the, the first hour that started I just wrote as if three people were in a flat like on after the night out off the red and just talking bollocks, basically. Sorry, I can't think of another <laughs> word. But they were just talking rubbish like people do at, at three o'clock in the morning when they've been out all night or whatever. And then the story came out of that. So there's a lot of tech, a lot of dialogue that I took out because I was just, once I got on a roll, rambling about these lots, talking about tech stuff off the telly and talking about Kenny Everett video show and <laughs> having an argument about who Sid Snot was and all this lot. And... It, 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 the story sort of came out of that, really. It was, it was uh, you know, and I'm, I'm quite pleased with it, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I think it came out all right. But no, I'm sure you do. It's obviously something to be proud of yourself like that, because I think uh, the creative writing formats you can try and tackle. As a, I'm a poet, really, but like I said, I do dabble in flash fiction. But like I said, I've got half a play dangling around the of a novel as well. But I think plays alongside novels are much more harder things to write. Because you, you, the moth are much longer pieces to begin with, and they take a lot more thought. Right. I think you've done the right thing with the play there, because a lot, like I found when I've done longer poems, for example, even flash fiction, there's so much in the pieces you have to take out because sometimes it's too much. Oh, and right. I, I you've got it the right half, twenty-five. What I think it's twenty-eight minutes. It's on the pod. You can find it. Yeah, it's about. It's a good length. It's a really, really good length for that one. So 
is that something you think you could you'd envisage doing again in the future? Yeah, definitely. I'd like to have another go. I mean, I've started writing bits already. I've, I've, I've got, I have like, you know, jot little bits of ideas down and it's definitely something I'd like to have a go at again. And I've also, I've already started doing a couple on the go because I want to do it again. And you learn from when you've done it previously. I mean, it was, there's a lot, it's different where you sort of, I think you've got to leave some of the, if actors are dealing with it, actors are doing it, you've got to leave it up to them to interpret those words a little bit. You can't specify how they're going to deliver him. They're going to do it in their own way and put their own twist on him. So you've got to leave things a little bit open-ended, I think. Um, I mean, the guys who did mine, there was one of them, um, Keaton, he was absolutely brilliant. He nailed it. I was, I was like emotional listening to him going, oh my God, this character's real. He's alive. And he, I, I was... Yeah, good, that's good. I know it's... Sound right, soppy, whatever, but <laughs> it, it, was, it was fantastic, you know, to uh, some yeah, he was alive in front of me. All of a sudden, this person had been writing on the on the page, you know what I mean? It was really good. Oh, I know he's definitely like his it's I've been to a few events in Bolton over the years. I know you live near Bolton now, and it's the best of Bolton series in Octagon, and they get actors in to read out your work sometimes, and you and I've had the same experience oh, as you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're still doing that now, actually. And what they did with it was, and they got an actor on stage reading like your monologue out, and they did it three times for me, two or three times. And it was a fascinating experience because you get used to hearing your words done in your own voice, in your own head. So you're reading yeah, it. Yeah. They hear other people doing it. It's something completely different. And that's why yeah. I, can, I, can, I can understand you relate what you're saying there in your piece as well. I'd have come away crying my eyes out after being in that state like you, mate. Definitely so. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that bad. I had a few drinks after it because I was celebrating. It's yeah, it was a really good experience. I'm really grateful to Paul Ludin for giving us that chance because it was just sat on my computer, this thing. And I thought, what am I going to do with it? Who's going to do anything with this? You know, and straight away he went, I like it. I'm going to do it. You know, and it was a very DIY thing. It was done on Zoom um, and it, 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 it was. Um, it worked pretty well, you know, and I really got a lot out of it, me personally. It was a good oh, brilliant, brilliant stuff, mate. Good luck for definitely the future of that. So now, obviously, um, I'm not looking at your website itself now. I'm curious to know what plans do you have next? And obviously, like I could see you do write quite a bit of flash fiction and short stories. Could you see yourself possibly doing a book in it someday? Sorry, Andy, what did you say then? Right, sorry, I think the line must have dropped then. Okay, yeah. What is what are your plans going forward then next? Um I never had any plans in the start in the start, <laughs> to be honest. I didn't plan on uh 10 years ago. You thought I was gonna be like doing standing on stage and reading out stories that I'd wrote to a room of strangers. I th- you know what? I just wouldn't have had I wouldn't have had it at all, but um, I'm just keeping writing. I want to be a better writer. I want to keep writing stuff. My writing's changed a bit since I've started reading them out. They've gone shorter. So yeah, it's the, what's the word, the, the key word is brevity, in it? You keep brevity, it yeah. Out. No, definitely. Yeah, that, that's the key thing. So um, the open mic stuff is something I'm still, you know, I've probably done about 20 odd of them now. And I'll be honest with you, I've done some crap ones. Honestly, I've come off thinking, what the bloody hell am I doing this for? Oh, why are you putting I've been there, done it, mate. I've been there, done it myself before now, so I can well understand what you're on about there. So, 
Well, well, you're 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 very good. You wouldn't have thought. You know, you you think you when you do yours, yours is very engaging, and I like listening to yours. Um, I think Amanda's brilliant as well. By the way, oh, Amanda's a genius. She absolutely. Yeah, my wife brilliant. is such a genius. Is she never see? It's honest yeah. to God. It's a tip for anybody that's dating a fellow writer, and Mike is I'm married to one. She never ceases yeah. to surprise me. I think we do that yeah, to each other sometimes. It's like sometimes she won't even tell me what she's wrote when she'll go on stage. And I'm sat there yeah. thinking, fuck, I'm married to this one. That's <laughs> why, yeah, you do. You do like it. Yeah, it's, has there been any sort of like creativity in your family before? I say, or are you the first one that you're writing in your family? Um, I think from the writing point of view, I'm probably the first one. Me, me, my daughter's quite creative. She's a painter. Um, she does. Is that your daughter that came along to speak easy with you, was it? It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah that's she's, her. Nice, she's a nice girl, so, she was, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Bethany does does um she she's um she's done an art degree at Leeds Uni and that, so she's quite creative. My niece has been on the telly doing acting um oh, cool. a few times. Uh, yeah, I dominate. So she's been on a bit of stuff. But no, I'm probably the first one who's done anything like this. I'm, I'm I was before I started doing. I didn't know anyone else who did writing out of my like hmm. circle of friends or my work colleagues or my family. No one else, you know. It was a bit of going out on a limb, really, doing it. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think that anyone would put what to read him. If I'm honest, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the way it was. I just did it for me, you know, because I like, I like doing it. I like the feeling of, of when I've completed something, and um, I sort of did it for my mates, really, because I mentioned places we grew up in, and I mentioned little in jokes that no one had know but them, and so yeah, going forward, what I'm gonna. I, I'll probably just try and do a few more open mic nights. I'm doing one in Liverpool in May, on the 20th of May, called um, uh, Spoken Word at the Reader, which is at a place called Calderstones. And there's someone called Steph Lonsdale is on there. Poet, oh, I know Steph. Good. I know I know Steph. Yeah, I know Steph. Oh, right, cool. Joy France is on as well. The yeah, no, I'm going, to see, I'm going to try and get Joy booked in for Spoken Label at some point because I've, I've known Joy a few years now. I have known her a few years. Wow, excellent! Great. So yeah, I'm reading that. I just want to, if, if I could get a bit better at them, you know. And um, th- that particular night, I've read there before, and it's a guy called Stephen Porter puts it on. He's invited us over, and it's a real. That was one of the few nights where I've come away after my open mic stuff, like punching the air, going bloody hell, that was really good. It, yeah, I've spoken to Stephen. I've spoken to Stephen. I've never met him. I have spoke to him, to be honest with you. I have been told by a few people he's a good writer and a good bloke, to be honest with you. Definitely, I'll be speaking to him in the future myself. Yeah, top lads, Steve. Yeah, sound. Okay, okay. What we'll then do is we'll wrap up this side down for you, to be honest with you, Mark. I want to give you plenty of time to let people experience your work a bit more. So, obviously, now, if people want to get hold of you, first of all, where are the best going? Probably through my website, um, keepsbrother.com. I mean, it's um, I've put a lot of my stuff on there. Um, and it's, I, I'm, I just want people to see my stuff, really. I mean, I, I'm not, um, the, the website is there so I could get things out there more accessible for people. So that's yeah, it's good. It's a good, it's a good website. It's a good website. So, great you. Now, obviously, if people are wondering about your plate. It's obviously our, our, our cutting on the play. The play is part of the Pod Play podcast series, and I'm just I've just set it up to come onto our Apple and iTunes, and it's on Spotify as well. And it looks like it's probably going to be on all all the usual networks. So 
I don't doubt it'd be a very, very good play, and I'm looking forward to hearing this. So, okay, Mark, we'll then take a quick break. Uh, thank you today. It's been a great chat today. Everyone enjoys this. So, we'll see you in two minutes. Spoken, mate. Hi, guys. Yes, we are still here with the wonderful Mark Jackson. Mark's going to do two pieces for us today, so I'm going to shut up and pass the mic straight over to him. Go for it, mate. Okay, cheers, Andy. Uh, right, the first piece I'm going to read is something that I read first at um, a night called Long Story Short a few months ago, um, and it's called Now and Then. Have you seen him on Facebook? All giving it the big old... I'm two years sober. Look at me, I'm six months clean. They need to get a fucking grip. You've had allowed a good time with your mates now and then without turning it into some drama. I mean, we were all out till Monday last week. Everyone was going to work and the three of us were still at it. Still going strong. You see, the thing is, I work. My mortgage is paid. And the kids are pretty much growing up now. So he was going to begrudge me the odd bender. And yeah... I'll have the odd line now and then. Three or four beers and everyone gets the taste. I always use Stuart. I've known him for years. So we've got like a trust thing. It's like he always knows where I am. And always just at the right time. He'll turn up and do as a lay on. Then come to ours in the week and I'll, I'll weigh him in then. If he says two ton, probably was. I can never remember. Good lad, Stuart. Even phones now and then just to see how I am. Everyone feels a bit rough if you've been on it all weekend. But whatever happened to Gary Cooper? The strong, silent type. Tony Soprano said that. It's about just dealing with it. What I do is I'll have a bottle of red as soon as I get through the front door. Down that and it knocks me right out for the rest of the day. Sometimes I bang a couple of samazepam, the one she keeps in the bathroom cupboard. But if she can't get her head around me having the odd bender, that's her problem, not mine. It's not as if I'm at it every day, like some that I know. I stopped for three months last year. I keep telling her that. I've been off work sick twice in 20 years. And one of them was the heart attack that never was. Paramedics turned up the full lot. All over a few chest pains. And you know what? They couldn't find a thing wrong with me. Then there was a time someone moved my car, so I had to sort that out. It was only a few feet up the road, but I knew what they were up to. I keep the keys in the safe now, just in case. But these days, everyone wants to know everyone else's business, and mine is nothing to do with them. You just have to be careful, that's all. It's like that A3 that keeps driving past ours of a night. I mean, they don't know it. But I'm right onto them. So if I want to go on a bender now and then, then I will do. I stopped for three months last year. So I know that I can. And that's it, Andy. 
Tremendous, absolute tremendous, that mate. I've got to say, with that piece, and okay, we'll get your short marks. Obviously, people wouldn't know, but your battery will keep an eye on your battery today. Are you nice? But yeah, it's, it, I actually know something like that, to honest you. And that's what's yeah. really, really strong about the piece because the voice in it, and that's what I think is really, really good about your work, Mark. And I've, what I've read of yours as well is you, you, you know the characters. <laughs> yeah. That's clearly, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't, none of my business, but that felt like to me that. You knew that person. Yeah, it, it was probably a little bit close to home at one point. That's probably <laughs> that's probably why. Yeah, that's that probably is why then, mate. So it goes that way sometimes. Some piece, like I said, it's you can see that's why. But it does. It's it sometimes the piece it can you can get a bit too close to the bone. But either way, that makes good writing sometimes, in my opinion, mate. Anyway, so. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. I'm really right. pleased, Andy. Should we, should we get straight to number two then? Okay, so obviously I don't want, to, I don't want your battery to go, mate. Okay, so I'm going to read this one. I'm going to change it a little bit from when I did it. This was another one I did at Speakeasy. Um, this one um, is called Things They'll Never See. Your legs are weak. Another push in the back forces you to up the pace. It feels like a hill, a winding gravel path. The hood smells like stale dust. Dead skin, your mum always said. It must be an old T-shirt, a cotton balloon cable tied at the neck. You ask for water, and a hand pushes you against cold stone, then onto your knees as you inhale deep breaths of dead skin. Whoever this is, he's getting it big time. Do they really know who they're messing with? You know people. People who know people. You've always been surrounded by jealous bastards. Anger's on, sucking you dry. That's why you moved away. You always hated coming home. Back into the hole where you was born. You never got any respect. Never appreciated. Not from the critics, the writers, the lads at the match. Them in the Wrangler cords and the Adidas tobacco. Couldn't stand seeing someone do well, could they? How many bills to pay and how many kids now, them boys? They're all living in some shithole now. 12-hour shifts and dancing on ice. He's close by. You feel him watching like some alien life form. You don't need to apologise for anything. You told everyone how great you were, and the world agreed. Like a Trump thing, even before anyone knew what that was. It was those melodies. They just came so easy. If you've got an ear for it, it's alchemy. People crave familiarity and they just lapped it up. Who doesn't like a story when they already know the ending? All that adulation, it was creepy at first, but then you couldn't live without it. But it, but it was always going to end someday. Just like with Marley or Vicious or even Lennon. But the older you got, the more you didn't want it to. You want to be Paul, not John. 
The ground vibrates with facing footsteps, close then far away. You ask what it would take to walk away and forget the whole thing. One phone call, that's all. Anything they wanted. They may need help and you could sort it for them. You could go for a beer. Talk it through and find some common ground. With great power comes great responsibility. Everyone thinks that line's from Spider-Man 2, but it's from the Bible. A priest told you. Backstage at the Barrowlands, 1994. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. You blurt through the story of the Glaswegian priest and how he bent your ear for half an hour whilst everyone else laughed. And you smile too as you tell him, hoping they'll realise that they like you. Or at least did at one time. But they can't see. Because your face is hidden under an old T-shirt, cable tied at the neck. And you knelt with your back against the wall as the wind rips into your bare arms and the damp has soaked through the knees of your wrangler cords. Soak you to the bone. I'm sorry, you say. And a cold blade presses against your windpipe. You scream through clenched teeth. And you are sorry. Snip and the hood is yanked away and a torch thrust to your face. A blinding light shining far behind your eyes. Then a voice. Now then. That wasn't so hard, was it? Tremendous, mate. Absolutely tremendous, Mark. Really, really, really powerful piece there. Because I think both those pieces you read today are what you term as almost like harsh realism pieces they are. But no, they carry excellent, yeah. mate. Been tremendous today, Mark. Thank you for that, mate. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's, it's I feel like really privileged for you to ask us on. It's uh, it's been yeah, really good. It's been great fun, mate, indeed. Now hang around, obviously. I need a quick word off microphone anyway. But it's been a pleasure today, mate. So keep in touch, mate. When you get your second play on, give us a shout and we'll have you on again, mate. Definitely, mate. <laughs> nice one, Andy. Speak to you soon. Take care, guys. See you all soon. Spoken, mate.